thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoy the time that we get to study God's Word, particularly about current events and Bible prophecy. And today, while we're going to be looking at some questions and answers, I want to say a special thanks for the response to the uh, live stream that we did on war in the Middle East. Wow, this is such a, a pertinent subject, and it's developing even as we talk again this week. And we're watching so many things, so many factors, exactly what the Bible said. So if you didn't get a chance to see that, go back and you'll find it on our webpage and you'll be able to, to pull that up and look at it. And we'll give you updates. Also the one on artificial intelligence. Wow, what an exciting topic in terms of seeing how the Bible and science are confirming each other and what the Antichrist is going to have available for him. And so these are important topics, but today we have a very important question as well. You know, as we do our BTIP programs, and people respond to us with questions and responses. <clears throat> I'm going to kind of summarize maybe five or six questions. They come in different forms, but basically here's what they're saying. What can we do until the Lord's return since society is so opposed to the things of God? And you're right. Our society is opposed to the things of God. And, and this isn't the first time in the history of man that that's happened. But the truth is, the Bible gives us some great things that we can be doing as we wait for the Lord's return. Matter of fact, today, I'm going to give you what I call the top seven. They're, depending on how we break them up, you could have 25 or 30 of them, but, but the top seven is what we want to look at today. And particularly, I want us to think about the fact that really, remember in the days of Noah, the Bible says in Genesis that society became more and more corrupt until the, the, every thought of man was evil continually. And we're almost there. And notice that during that time that Noah lived in a corrupt society, he was looking for the judgment of God to come because God told him that judgment was coming. He was told to build an ark. And so his job was to be faithful to the Lord, to be faithful to the promise of God, and to win his own family. And in many ways, I think that we're in the very same situation as Noah because we do live in an evil, corrupt society, and it's becoming more anti-God all the time. That's okay. The Word of God and the promise of God and the presence of God in our life, it gives us a way to live faithfully in these last days, and so that's what we want to address. So what are some of the things that we could specifically do? Well, here's one that I think is really important. It's the idea of comfort one another. You know, in the Bible, there's some great passages. This one in Isaiah is wonderful. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. But another one that I really like is this one in John. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, that word tribulation here, it's not the tribulation period. It's the fact that there would be trials that they had. Because you see, right now, the disciples of Christ were going through some of those tribulations, and Jesus said he would be with them. Well, that wasn't the tribulation. At all times in the history of mankind, people have been going through tribulation. But in that tribulation, how wonderful to know that we have the presence of God and the comfort of God, so we need to comfort one another. Or this one in Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a promise of God. That, you know, it was spoken in the New Testament, but it was certainly presence of God comforting the people of God in the Old Testament. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. I think of other, others like Joseph in the prison. All these things are wonderful ideas of comforting one another. But here's one that I, I want to 
give you to think about today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it's right on the passage of the rapture in verse 17 and 18. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now that's important because to be with the Lord, that's, that's the whole idea. Then it says this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So we know this, that as we're waiting for the Lord to come, and I believe His coming is very soon, all the indicators around us say the tribulation period is coming, the kingdom of God is coming, and before that kingdom can begin, before the tribulation begin, the church of Christ is called out. And so we're to comfort one another. I think that's a great thing for us to be doing as we wait for the Lord's return in the midst of an evil society. Listen, my friend, I know there are people in your surrounding, in your family, in your local fellowship, that will need comfort and encouragement, and that's something that we can do as we wait for the Lord's return. Well, <clears throat> another charge would be this, to wait patiently. I think about that because, you know, the attitude that we have as we wait is so important. All of us have something that we look forward to, for students, it's usually the end of school. For maybe a young person, it might be a wedding. Or for somebody, it might be a, to graduate from college. All of us have that, that I can say, the necessary situation to wait some, on something. But <clears throat> to wait patiently is important. In other words, how we wait is important, not just to wait. And so Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with the wings as eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a, what a wonderful verse. Matter of fact, it's probably the favorite verse of many people that are watching our program today because it's that well known and that much of a comfort to people. How do you wait? Well, we're to wait patiently. But here's some other encouragements. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You see, this is the time for us to be faithfully waiting and patiently waiting, because that's how God will give us a reward. I think of the Old Testament patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They're mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And to remember what it says, it says that they waited for the Lord. They were waiting for a city. They were waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. And when they died, God still had not delivered the promise to them. But they counted God faithful, and so they waited patiently. Well, I, I want to be among those that wait patiently. And I think I'm living at the end of the church age, but I want to be like those patriarchs and wait patiently for the promise of God. His promises are sure. And so if I wait patiently, you know what? God will bless us and God will reward us and it will be worth it when we see him. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And so that's our job during these last days to comfort one another and to wait patiently. A third one, a third of my top seven are this, to, to meet together locally. I'm concerned and here's why. I'm watching a lot of people that during the pandemic they couldn't attend a live church and, and maybe they got out of the habit of t attending church. But the Bible is very clear about how we need one another, the body, the, the body of Christ. You see, you're part of the body of Christ. And a local body needs all the members to, to work in order for it to do the function that God has in mind for it. We, we can't have a body without a couple legs or a couple arms. That, that would be so difficult for the body to function. And so here's what the Bible says. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, 
as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I see the day approaching. I see the day of Christ approaching. I think the rapture is very near. And so it says that we're to exhort you to go back and to meet together to, so that you can comfort one another, so you can strengthen one another. Meeting together locally is important. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Matthew 18, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You know what? You'll enjoy the fellowship of the saints. You'll enjoy the presence of God as you come together to meet in a local church or if you come together to meet in a local Bible study on a regular basis, the accountability of that is so important. Don't overlook the accountability. You can hold people accountable to be faithful to God and they can hold you accountable to be faithful as we wait for the Lord's return. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Listen, those things are really as essential today as they were at the beginning of the church age. That was at the beginning of the church age. We're at the end of the church age, and those items are still important for us to practice. Are you practicing those on a weekly basis to meet together for, for doctrine, for fellowship, for breaking of bread, and then in prayer? That's what the Bible says. And so that's one of my top seven. Well, you knew I'd come to this one sooner or later, and that's to win the lost. Yes, I think there's an activity that I want to be involved in today as I think the coming of the Lord is so near is to win the lost. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power of God. Often I thought, you know, maybe God would show himself powerful by doing something in the sky, writing a message from heaven. Or, or think of the miracles that he did in the Gospels. But here's what he says. The power of God today is demonstrated in the Gospel. And I really believe that one of the things that we can do is to win the lost by showing the power of God, by sharing with him something concerning the Gospel of Christ. My friend, let me challenge you this way. Pick out somebody this week, family, friend, fellow worker, and introduce the gospel to them. Talk to them about how that you think the Lord is coming soon and you like for them to be in heaven. Talk to them about what the Bible says is necessary to, to admit you're a sinner and to accept what Christ did on the cross as a payment for your sin. That's what the Bible says. It's the power of God. Allow the power of God to work through you. But another verse that's really good, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And then probably my favorite one is this one in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11. He that winneth souls is wise. And so we're wise as we tell others how they can come to Christ. And I believe that's one of the great activities as we wait for the Lord's return. My fifth one is this, looking for his appearing. And I've chosen this verse in Ezekiel chapter 33. It's quite a story, and we'll, but we'll do it in a quick fashion. But if the watchmen see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Think about that. In this unique story in Ezekiel chapter 33, now I spend a lot of time looking at Ezekiel. It has to do with the glories of God. It has to do with the plan of God. And I think of how many times we looked at Ezekiel 38 and 39, and even 36 and and Israel coming into the, the land again. But this one is quite a story because it talks about a watchman. 
A watchman, his job was to be on the wall. His job was to be alert. His job was to be watching. And if you saw an enemy approaching or an army approaching, if he saw some cause for danger, his job was to alert the whole city. You see, that's why he stood on the wall. So he had a, a good outlook. He had the clearest, he had the best outlook, and he could warn them. Now, if he didn't warn the people, then if somebody died, if an army came and surrounded the city and took captives and, and destroyed them, then the watchman was responsible for that. Why? Maybe he was sleeping. Maybe he was inactive. Maybe he just said, I, I don't want to disrupt them. But the job of the watchman was to interrupt people from their leisure. And so he would come and he would blow the shofar. He would sound the alarm. And if he sounded the alarm and then people didn't respond, then God said, no, it's the people who didn't respond. It's their fault. But the job of the watchman was to, to sound the alarm. I believe I'm one of those watchmen. I think you're one of those watchmen if you know the Lord. And never has there been a time when we need to be sounding the alarm any more radical than right now. And so please take that opportunity to do what God says. Look for his appearing. Warn those who haven't come to Christ. The Bible says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I, I like that verse. Isn't it wonderful? God is long-suffering. And that's why he continues to extend this age of grace. But in the meantime, we're still to be warning people that judgment is coming. I know there are people that say, well, you're, you're a radical. You're a fanatic on the coming of the Lord. I, I guess if that's a fanatic, I want to be a fanatic. Because, you see, I want to be looking for the Lord's appearing. I think that's something that we can do biblically that will please God as we wait for his return. And then the sixth one, I've decided to, to put this one as its own. It's loving his appearing. You see, it's one thing for people to, to be looking for his appearing. It's a, another thing for people to know that, that he's coming. But it's another thing altogether to love his appearing. And so look at this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also who love his appearing. I think there's a lot of people that know his appearing is coming. I think there's a lot of people that, that say the promise of God in the Bible is that he will appear. But you know what? I don't see very many people that really love his appearing. You see, we, we, we think, wow, you know, if the Lord would just wait a couple more years, I'll have my house paid. Why would you want to pay for your house if the Lord's coming? Or, you know, a couple more years, I'm, I'm going to be able to retire. Or a couple more years, I, I'm going to get married. Or a couple more years, wow, do you understand? Heaven's going to be grand. All your desires, all your dreams are going to be fulfilled totally when we see Christ. That's how incredible he is. And so the Bible says that we're not just to be looking for his appearing, but we're to be loving his appearing. Let me ask you this. Do you love his appearing? Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast which thou hast. Let no man take thy crown. You see, there's a crown given to those that love his appearing. D don't lose that crown. You know, I used to think that this would be the easiest crown to get. I changed my mind. No, I think in this day and age, we're so sidetracked with so many things, whether it's the evil of society or the cares and responsibility of this world, or maybe just trying to get ahead. I don't know that we really love his appearing. We, we know he's coming, but really, do we love his appearing? And then here's another 
verse for us to think about. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And you see, one of the works that we can do to please God is to be loving his appearing. And then my final one of the big seven is this, to purify yourself. You know, <clears throat> it's not an easy process because we live in an evil, corrupt world. But the need to be holy is as important today as it's ever been. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trout of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so it, it brings together purifying ourselves with the appearing of Jesus. So I know it's related. And I think this is one of the great occupations of today. God has given us this time that we can examine our own hearts, our own minds, our own motives. In Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about the fact that it's the motive, not just the work we do, but the motive of why we do the work. Or look at this one in Ephesians chapter 4. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You see, we're sealed, we're eternally secure, but let's not grieve the Holy Spirit by doing things that are dishonored him, especially since we're in the final, the final few yards of this race. And then one last passage, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Take this one to heart. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. How will we not be ashamed? To purify ourselves. And so these are great things that we can do as we wait for the Lord's return. They're very practical. They, they, they challenge us day by day. They challenge those that we come in contact with. They challenge our motive, our heart, as well as our works. And then I want to end with the same question that we end every program with. Are you ready? You see, I believe the Lord's coming is soon. And yet, I may be talking to someone today and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Do you understand that in order to be ready for the Lord to come, in order to, to be comforted by the thought that He's coming soon, you must deal with God on a personal basis. The Bible says this, that all have sinned. So, my friend, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. There came a day when, when every person in heaven had to realize, you know what, I'm short of the glory of God. I've sinned. One sin is enough to offend a holy God. A sinful nature is enough to offend a holy God. The Bible says we're all sinners. We're all short of the glory of God, the standard that God set. So admit that you're a sinner. The second thing is to acknowledge what Christ has done. Christ left heaven, the God of heaven. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He came a man so that he could die. He came a man so he could go to the cross, shed his blood. He could bear my sin. He became my substitute. He became my redeemer. And so first, admit you're a sinner. Secondly, acknowledge that Christ is the one who died on the cross, not for his sins he had none, but he died on the cross for your sins. And the third one is to accept him, to personally say, Lord Jesus, I take your death, your blood shed, your death and resurrection as the substitute for my sin. What a wonderful thing to know that God has promised this. He said this, to all who accept him, to all who believe him, he will become their savior. That great verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that God gave his only begotten son, that was Jesus, that whosoever would believe in him, they will never perish, but they will have everlasting life. My friend, that eternal life could be yours if you accept Jesus Christ today. 
Thank you for watching our program. Let's try to practice these seven things as we wait for the Lord's return because you know something? The Lord's coming soon. Everything around us indicates that we're living in the last days. Are you ready if he comes today? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. It gives us instructions on how to live faithfully in these last days. And Father, thank you for making the gospel so available to us. Father, I pray today, even now, some will say, I do want to receive Christ as my personal Savior. I accept him as my payment for sin. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to ask a question of Dr. Linstead and or Bible Truth and Prophecy, please email us at the Bible Truth and Prophecy, or BTIP as we call it, email address. That's BibleTipNow at gmail.com. B-I-B-L-E-T-I-P-N-O-W at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.